Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Update. My brackets are still perfect. Mm-hmm. It's good to be the king. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Steven. That's better than an eh. <laughs> that was Matt's earlier tonight. Asking him the tough questions. You know, 5, 15, and 2 over the course of spring training. Does that, does that weigh on you guys at all? <laughs> Not so much. It's <laughs> spring training. He's probably right. He is right. That's as good a reaction as you can really have to that question. Dry humping. That would be a weird answer to that question, but... We learned a lot. We've learned a lot over the course of uh, this spring training. Hey, I found this interesting. We'll, we'll get to some Mets calls in a second here at 800-321-0710 and get you guys some T-shirts. But, uh, you know, in the post today, Neil Walker, writers caught up with him, and he was asked about an offer that he received from the Mets. Three years, $42 million last spring training, turned it down. And Walker came back and said, yeah, but that wasn't on me. I accepted that deal, and it was not accepted from the other side. Regardless of any situations in the past, I can't let any of this stuff affect me moving forward. This is too good of a team here, being the Yankees, too good of a situation. But whoa, 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 whoa. That's like a record screech, right? Like three years, $42 million. That was, I mean, he accepted a deal, but then it wasn't accepted from the other side who offered it. So, you know, obviously leads to some more questions and you know the post reports that uh you know he initially walker initially rejected the three-year contract from the mets then later tried to accept and at that point the mets said thanks but no thanks so we, we had heard that some of those negotiations were contentious in spring training that could be a big reason why if walker thought that that offer still stood and he could say yes to it whenever he wanted. Um, and then, you know, he wasn't pleased when, you know, the Mets nearly sent him to the Yankees, uh, but ultimately sent him to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and uh, now he ends up with the Yankees one year, $4 million. I mean, that's that's big time difference. You can have $42 million guaranteed. Instead, he's making four mil uh, with the um, with the Yankees. But think about it. If Walker said yes, the Mets could be paying Neil Walker what does that come out to? $14 million a year for the next, not only this season, but the next two years as well. And he's a one-year, $4 million player. Ugh. They dodged. No wonder they, they said no if he uh, you know came back later and said, what am I, crazy? I'm going to turn this down. Uh, we guys, you know, that's something that you noticed, and, and I'm sure it's something to do with the agents too. The market changed a little bit, and these guys did not realize it. And, and that's part of why, you know, some of these players have had to settle and they've been late to see some of the differences with how the teams are valuing the the veteran players. I think it changes next year when it's Bryce Harper, Manny Machado at the top of the market. Those guys are going to get paid. But if I was Josh Donaldson and I'm a couple of years older, I'd be nervous based on how it played out this year. 800 Let's go to Jim in Farmingdale. How are we doing tonight, Jim? All right, Pete. First of all, I want to say I love the show. It gives us Met nerds somewhere to go to avoid the Yankee talk. So yeah, thank you. Glad you enjoy it. What's up? Uh, I need you to give me some hope. Uh, the spring's become tough. Had a lot of uh, a lot of um, hope early on, but now I'm a little nervous. So what do we do with that right side? You know, Gonzalez. We got uh, Struble. I can't even yeah. say his name. Uh, are we going to be okay? 
Uh, that is the part I worry about. It's why I thought the Mets should have made a run for Neil Walker. Now, you know, you start hearing uh, how it played out last year, and you can understand why that didn't happen. But uh, I, I think that they need some coverage there. Now, I, it's why Wilmer Flores is going to play a lot this year. He's going to get an opportunity. It's Drupal Cabrera. The way he's moving around, I don't see him holding up that long at second base. Adrian Gonzalez, what I see with my eyes tells me he's not a big league hitting starting first baseman anymore. Um, no. They'll see it at opening day. You know, you can give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a veteran, but this guy had all kinds of back problems last year. He had three bulging discs uh, last season. So, yeah, that's, that's not nothing. They put right at third and him at first, and we have a hell of an infield. But uh, I think we really missed out on D. Gordon. I think that would have been the piece that would have uh, solidified the infield and made us a, a contender without much doubt. Gordon would have been nice. I don't, I don't love Gordon. And thanks for the call, Jim. My guy was Josh Harrison. I, I wanted Josh Harrison big time. I, I thought that he fit perfect. He could play either second base or third base. He can hit leadoff. Um, you know, Gordon, he's inconsistent. Too inconsistent for me at the top uh, of the lineup, and you know the steals by themselves don't do a ton for me. I, I like the threat of this deal, but uh, statistically, you're only getting value from the stolen base if guys are doing it like a 75 percent clip. You know, you go 75 percent or above, then you're getting an edge out of it. Now, and this is where the stats have limitations. Speed affects the game. Speed affects the pitcher. Speed affects you know how quickly he's trying to get the ball to home plate. He's distracted. It does a lot of things for you, so it doesn't have to be strict that way. Uh, but the actual stolen base, I'm not I'm not going to go nuts about it. I just want someone to get on base at the top of the lineup. That's something the Mets need. You know it would have been perfect for the Mets? It would have been even better than both of those guys is Jason Kipnis. And the Mets apparently had to deal with Kipnis, and it got nixed from the top. And you know, we saw this week, you know, Matt Ehalt reported it would have cost Paul Seawalt. Uh, and you know, that's a controllable reliever, but you know, he's one of the last guys in the pen at this point. That's a move that you would have liked to would have liked to figure out. You would have liked to make that happen. I think that would have made sense for them. And he kept us having a great spring. We'll see how it carries over into the season. You know, he had some health problems last year. Uh, but those are some of the guys I was looking at. I thought, you know, yes, the second baseman that could hit leadoff, D. Gordon would have been on the list. He just wasn't as high for me. Uh, but, you know, Harrison would have cost you Brandon Nimmo. And maybe Nimmo is the answer at that leadoff spot. He's a very good on-base guy. He has a good eye at the plate. As uh, Nelson Figueroa mentioned, yeah, he'll drive you nuts sometimes when he takes strike three, and then he starts arguing with the umpire. But those are the things that then he'll learn. And sometimes in this sport, even you know, with the technology being what it is, but you still you develop a reputation as a guy who has a great eye. I think Nemo has a very good eye, and the umpires maybe start giving him the benefit of the doubt as he moves past his rookie year. And, and that's something that can help him out in those spots as well. But uh, but yeah, that right side of the infield it's ancient. It's ancient in, in baseball terms. It's a sport that continues to get younger. You don't have the performance enhancers in the game to make guys play like they're, you know, 24 even though they're 38. That doesn't exist anymore. You hit, you know, 34, 35 years old, a lot of times your performance drops off a cliff at that point. Uh Cabrera, to me, looks like he's teetering on it. Gonzalez, he he might already have fallen off that cliff. We got to find out. Uh, and the Mets, 
the backup they have is really Wilmer Flores at those two spots. Uh, you know, unless Dom Smith can show us something these last couple of weeks of the spring, but it seems you know he's going to have quite a bit of time at AAA Las Vegas until he's getting another opportunity uh, with the um, with the Mets. All right, we'll dive into March Madness when we come back. Mo Cassera, former head coach at uh, Hofstra University. We'll have uh, Coach Cassera on with us, talk some NCAA tournament. I mean, it's been a fun day already, lots of upsets. So if you you know been stuck at work, haven't been uh, all caught up on what happened this afternoon, we'll do just that for you. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Hi, the madness is here of March on the Ides of March. And uh, we welcome on right now college basketball analyst for CBS as well as ESPN, former head coach of Hofstra University. It is Mo Cassera. And uh, Coach Cassera, great to have you on the show. How you been? Everything good? Pete, Pete great to talk to you. Yeah, it's madness time. It's college hoops in uh, full swing. So uh, it's exciting days and good to talk to you. Give me the moment today where you're screaming at the TV for one reason or another. <laughs> uh, there's been a couple already. Uh, I, I, I love the Rhode Island game. I thought the Rhode Island Oklahoma game was just fabulous. You know, some some uh, senior guards, a uh, freshman guard, uh, overtime, a lot of drama. Veteran coach, a coach that's probably moving on. So there was there was a lot in that one. It's certainly a very exciting game. You know, I, I looked at Rhode Island. I, I see you know the guards are, are crashing the boards for rebounds late in that game. They just looked like a really well coached team. Did, did you come away with the same thought? Well, I covered Rhode Island this year uh, three times. I had them uh, early in the season, kind of midway, and then later on in the season uh, doing CBS games. And the one thing that always stood out to me, they they have not only seniors, they have a couple fifth-year seniors. They've got veterans. They've been to the tournament. uh, So they've got experience. They've got older players. uh, They've got all the pieces. They've got depth. So they hit a little bit of a, a roadblock kind of end of the season, lost a couple tough games and stumbled, and I wasn't sure they'd get out of that first round. But I'll tell you what, Duke-Rhode Island uh, in the next round is going to be an exciting game. Yeah, and that's a fun matchup to have. And we know, you know, so many of the big programs, they're dependent on, on freshman stars, and, and Duke might be one of them, and certainly Oklahoma was today. When you have, you know, a bunch of seniors and you're maybe a mid-major or, you know, Atlantic 10, but you uh, have all of that experience, you have an extra three years of, of maturity, both physical and, and mental, does it start to give, you know, the mid-majors a, a realistic chance of, you know, pulling off what might look like an upset. Absolutely, and I'll give you another team in the Atlantic 10 as well, St. Bonaventure. You know, senior guards, veteran guys, played a lot of basketball. They shoot the ball well. Uh, I think this time of year when you've got some experience and you've got seniors, um, that bodes well. And certainly once you get through that first game, like Rhode Island did and like Bonaventure did in the playing game, once you get through that first game and get a little confidence, then it's uh, watch out. You know, if you shoot the ball well, those two teams can beat anybody anybody the rest of the way. Do you think it's an advantage? I don't think it would kind of exhaust you a little bit. You put it all into that game on, you know, let's say Tuesday. you got to come back, play again Thursday. Now it is actually the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's a tough road to hoe. It is, but you've seen teams have success. You know, look at VCU, uh, how they came out of that that bracket years ago. Mm -hmm. And teams there, you know, you get through that first game and get a little confidence, and all of a sudden you're playing. You want to just keep playing. You know, this time of year, there's so much adrenaline and excitement. You don't have to worry about getting amped up for the game. So we've seen teams come out of Dayton and do very well, and I think Bonamich is another team. I actually like them to beat Florida in the next round. 
Wow, uh, and and that uh, Florida's a six seed, I believe, uh, in this year's tournament. So, um, yeah, yeah. that'll be a, that'll be a, 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 a nice upset. Did you consider it an upset when St. Bonnie beat UCLA? Uh, I really didn't. I think that's a kind of a toss-up game. Uh, you know, both those teams playing on a you know neutral court playing game. Um, just happy to both be there. So I think that was a pretty pretty well of a toss-up. Certainly UCLA, you know, a bigger name uh, playing in a bigger conference. But I also think it just shows that the Pac-12 was not very good this year. And we're talking again with Mo Cassera, a college basketball analyst for CBS as well as ESPN. We did have you know kind of that magic moment, uh, the you know Cinderella type of team maybe. But you know Loyola Chicago knocks off Miami, a buzzer beater three at the end. I got to say, though, I got to admit, when you know, a kid let the ball go, I'm like, what are you doing? I didn't like the shot. But, uh, you know, then it goes in. And, of course, it's, hey, what a moment. But, uh, you know, what did you think of the end of that Loyola-Chicago-Miami game? Well, certainly happy for Porter Moser. I mean, he's done a fabulous job. And they have a lot of guys coming back. They actually have a really uh, kind of young team. So they have a lot of players coming back. They could be very good again next year. And, hmm. and there you go. They've got the confidence now. They're going to play a Tennessee team that I don't think would, would certainly – blow their doors off uh, by any stretch of the imagination talent-wise, although uh, they are a good team. So that's a team you could certainly see in the Sweet 16. I like what they've done. And now, you know, you win that first game, boy, and the confidence grows and the excitement grows and your fans start following and everybody's talking about it, boy. Uh, momentum is a fun thing to ride, especially this time of year. Yeah, and it'll be more than that for Loyola Chicago. I mean, it'll be more than just Chicago to be jumping on uh, that bandwagon if they are you know, the upset team to make it to the weekend. Uh, how about Seton Hall? They knock off NC State, and that's going to be a tough match if they get number one Kansas or number one seeded Kansas at Wichita. Uh, what um, you know? What do you like about or Seton Hall's chances there? Well, I'll tell you, Seton Hall had a lot of early season expectations, high expectations, uh, some seniors, some veterans, a team that I, I think a lot of people expected to probably have a better season overall. But they kind of quietly kind of snuck in as an eight seed and probably even a little better than that. And uh, they beat a good NC State team, uh, a team that, that won some big games in the ACC. So they now have some momentum. They've got size. They rebound the basketball well. If they can shoot the ball well, uh, I think they will give Kansas a good game. Again, the one thing about Kansas, they're playing in their backyard, and they got that uh, first game uh, out of the way, and Penn is a tough team. They certainly didn't have an easy time throughout the early part of the game mm-hmm. with Penn. So um, I think that that could be a good game, especially given uh, Seton Hall's ability to, to bang up front. Yeah, Kansas trailing most of that first half against Penn until they had a, a 16-2 run late to take control, and, and they ended up keeping control of that game. How about the schools that are – you know, that are mixed up in the FBI investigation. And we certainly have to get into that right now. We, you know, at some point after the tournament. But, uh, for teams that have had that kind of hanging over their head over the weeks of the regular season, and then you get to March and it's not top of mind and teams can put that away. Do you think that's an advantage for, you know, Arizona to a lesser extent, Seton Hall, but, but some of the teams that have had that floating around? Well, I think Arizona's the big one. I think yeah. everybody's kind of curious to see, you know, that's really going to be an interesting game. Obviously, they played well in the in their conference tournament uh, since the allegations came out and Sean Miller uh, got back on the sideline. They played very well, almost with a, a little bit of extra fire. They're playing a very good Buffalo team, but that's the one that's kind of interesting, isn't it? If they all of a sudden slip up in that game, and when I say slip up, I don't want to take anything away from Buffalo. They're a very good team, and they're very well coached, and they will give Arizona all they can handle in that 4-13 game. But Arizona's the one team with this 
um, you know, kind of cloud and the FBI investigation kind of hanging over college basketball. That's the, that's the game I want to see. Now, do they use that to propel themselves and get themselves all the way to the Final Four? They've certainly got a chance. Uh, but that will be really interesting how they play in this first game. How talented? If you're just judging talent, where would Arizona rank? When they're healthy, uh, healthy talent-wise, you know, full roster, healthy talent-wise, probably top two or three in the country. Wow. And they got a tough road. Uh, you mentioned Buffalo, but they also would have to go through Kentucky more than likely in the second round of the tournament. And then uh, number one, Virginia as well. And that is that is a brutal group uh, there in the, um, I guess it's the East, right? Yeah, uh, that's in the South, the actually. South, okay. and, uh, and actually, Davidson's cut the Kentucky game to three, 41-38 right now. So uh, Davidson's another really good team. They did not get a great draw. And, and don't forget, they're playing all the way out in Boise. So that is not an easy trip. You know, Davidson comes off uh, winning the Atlantic 10 tournament and gets shipped out to Boise and has to play on Thursday night. That is really difficult. I think one of the things, you know, the average fan doesn't realize is you just look at the matchup sometimes, but you got to really look at where they have to travel, when was their last game, and what time they play. Uh, those are big deals, and that makes a big difference in when you're playing. So a lot of credit to that Davidson team. They've, uh, you know, got this game close, and, and that's a tough, tough trip. I've done that trip to Boise a few times for some TV games. <laughs> it ain't easy. Yeah, now I bet. And I love getting the live updates here. What's what's the setup for you yeah, for, for my, March I'm Madness? I'm on my game today, buddy. I'm on my game. I got live <laughs> updates for you. I got I got it all. I got I'm running out of gas here. I gotta I gotta get on a plane tomorrow. I'm doing the Division Three National Championship on Saturday down in Salem, Virginia. Great, great. Who's playing in that? Well, the Final Four uh, is tomorrow night, so that that will be determined, and okay. the TV game will be Saturday for the championship. All right, uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun uh, as well. You can check that out, and then uh, as we chat with Mo Cassera right now, now, how about the end of the Gonzaga game? And they couldn't hit a free throw the last few minutes of the game to to put it away. They finally were able to ice it at the end. But does that does that worry you for a team that you know, has the kind of expectations that a Gonzaga should have? Well, I think Gonzaga and, and, and Arizona would probably be the other team. You know, for the East Coast fans, you know, just don't see them a lot throughout the season. But they're a team that obviously just kind of ho-hum gets themselves a four seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, every year. And uh, that's a team that some people think could could actually sneak into the Final Four as well. So be interesting to see how they play. I think they'll beat Ohio State. Uh, they are talented. I think they could get themselves back into the Sweet 16 where they just seem to find a way every year. And uh, they beat a good UNC Greensboro team. Um, that that crew is, uh, is, is good and a little better than people think they are. And uh, their coach, uh, Wes Miller, is going to be a hot name in the coaching carousel here in the spring. All right, uh, Mo Cassera, CBS ESPN college basketball analyst. Uh, have fun with the D3 uh, finals down there in Virginia, and uh, we appreciate you giving us some time tonight. Thanks, Pete. Always good to talk to you. All right, you too. Good man. Mo Cassera uh, giving us some time tonight, breaking down uh, what happened uh, and has happened earlier today and also what's happening right now uh, with uh, Davidson giving Kentucky a, a tough time. We'll keep you updated on what's going on in these NCAA tournament games, but it, it is nice to, to have it back. And, and maybe, well, not maybe, it's because I filled out a bracket, but because of that bracket, I got a rooting interest in all the games, and I don't know about you, but I'm a Mets Jets fan, and unless you, even if you're a Yankees fan, it's been since October, right? We didn't have any meaningful football games. There really weren't any meaningful hockey games. The Knicks were meaningful for like a month, uh, and then you know once Porzingis goes down, forget about. It. Like I need that sports rush in my life a little bit, even if 
know, the NFL can give me that on a given weekend. Even that's a couple months away. So today's been nice. It's nice to get excited when, you know, Loyola Chicago's hitting a buzzer beaten three and getting, uh, getting that kind of moment. It sounded good earlier today. It's nice to have that, get that yell going. This is what it sounded like earlier. You got it, Mark? Yeah. Here they come. One time out, they don't take it. And it's March. Nonsensical yelling. Like, oh, <laughs> Chicago. I didn't know it was a real place. This is great. That's fun. Well, real college, at least. I know Chicago exists. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Again, 800-321-0710. Mark just said, wow. Yeah, you heard Loyola, Chicago? Should I know that one? I don't know. That's I mean, cool. duh, you knew Chicago was a place. Wow. You didn't need to tell us that. Yeah, you know. Just got to make sure. I got to check my bases there, you know? I don't want people to think less of me. Perfect bracket. Think less. Perfect bracket, Mark. You can't think bad of me right now. It's tough to, tough to top the perfect bracket, but that'll fall soon. Don't worry. San Diego State's down by 10 at the half. I got Houston, so we'll be tied. Eh. Perfect bracket. I'm going to keep saying it as long as I possibly can. Usually, I have already lost the Final Four team by 8.30 the first day of the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga, I'd be sweating. I have them in the Final Four. I, had to I got them too. Yep. Yeah, they can't hit a free them. throw yep. at the end of that game. Oh, it was unbelievable against UNC Greensboro. Greensboro had a three and went in and out. They should have sunk that. I think that would have tied the game. Ah, I was actually... so. I went to Foley's and went to the bar Midtown, check out some of the games early, watch the overtime URI game there. And I was like, all right, there's a lull in the action. I'll just walk down to Canal Street. I don't know. It's like two mile walk. It's a fairly nice day. Why not? I'm just monitoring the Gonzaga game. I'm like, if it gets into within one score, then I got to stop somewhere and watch the end of the game. And it's all right. They're up five. They're up seven. They're okay. They're okay. Then they're up three. All right. Not yet. Not yet. And then I look down, it's tied. I'm like, gosh, I just want to walk straight to get to the office, check it out. I stop at the bar, watch the game. And I'm not drinking, so I'm just trying to like hide in the back. Is that, a, is that a bad move? You go into the bar, watch TV, and not buy anything, right? That's allowed? Is that allowed? You're not supposed to do that? I used to do a soda. A I soda? always get a soda. You know, I get a the soda? Bar, you know what? Because you know what? Because here's why. All right, you go to the bar. Mm-hmm. You have a soda. Mm-hmm. They're not going to force you to buy an alcoholic drink because you know maybe you're you know maybe maybe you you don't drink. Maybe you have an issue with it. So they they want to keep you there. And I, let me have a soda. I have another one. Let me have a refill. Then eventually I get the wings, and then they're happy. Okay. Yeah. See, I wasn't there long. I just wanted to see the end of the game, so I just kind of kept a low profile in the back. It's very strange for me to go to a bar and not get a beer, but I got to you know be be good for the show tonight. Soda gets you covered. That's all you have to do. Soda. I should have gotten a soda, or was that good? Is that I don't know. I don't know. Is that a faux pas to walk in and just not get anything and watch the game and then leave? Did you use the restroom, too? No. All right, so that's fine. You, you, yeah, that, then you really got to hear. I was in and out in 10 minutes. I think it's okay. Borderline. I'll give you that. Who makes these rules? Mark, you're the tie-breaking vote. I wouldn't do it. Well, if Mark wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting Ray and I. We appreciate it. I wasn't planning on going anywhere. No, you had the plan last night. You set it to Sal. Yeah. You did. That's right. You did say, yeah, Sal, I'm doing this tomorrow. Thanks. Yeah, well, I was having a business meeting at Foley's and then walked down. You didn't mention the business meeting part. You just said you went to watch the game. Yeah, you guys were excluded. Thanks. Appreciate it. Exclusive business meeting.
We're all Petey Mac here, watching the tournament. You have lots of business going on. <laughs> Tons of business. 800-321-0710, the number again, 800-321-0710. Call to the show, get on the air, get yourself a free Mets t-shirt. Roll until 9 o'clock, Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Somebody tried to make me feel like an old fogey today, and I don't often feel like an old fogey. It happens more than it used to, as uh, I'm sure is true for uh, for most of us. But uh, so I had the NCAA tournament, right? I got my bracket. By the way, it's perfect. Um, I <laughs> the groans from the studio. There's, there's a thick window between, but I, I could I could feel the groans coming from the other room. You haven't even finished the first day. I mean, we're not, we're not even halfway through the first day. Perfect. Uh, so I, I like to mark it down by hand. And this is like the pleasureful part of the NCAA tournament. As much as I enjoy, yes, the moment that Loyola Chicago hits the three, to me it's more enjoyable to then immediately go to my bracket and put the big circle over my team. And if it's wrong, which I haven't had this experience today, but you would put uh, an X through it, and then you have that those terrible X's going on. You lose a Final Four team, and you're putting eight X's through your bracket, and the whole thing looks like a disaster, and that's when you know you're done. It looks like you, you put stitches through the middle of your bracket. But that is the pleasurable part, is to walk around, have the piece of paper in your pocket, look at the future matchups, and you either circle or X. And Mark is... A, who prints out the bracket? Who does it by hand? Who would want to do it by hand? I, I can't just go to you know one of the websites that you fill out your bracket and it's it's either red or it's green. That's no fun. I don't get anything out of that. I need the paper in my hand. I need to circle it to exit. That is the true pleasure of the NCAA tournament in the bracket. Completely agree with that. That, that I don't understand how you can't not have one of these in front of you. You have to have it. It's You're a both must. old and out of touch. Oh, come on. Camilla Caballo. This is making me feel like an old fogey. Oh, well, you know. Music. Music you might have me on. Camilla Caballo. Let's not play those anymore. I don't, I don't need to get in trouble. Camilla Caballo. That is tremendous. It was written phonetically, too. That's the worst <laughs> part. I still butchered it. Um, but yes... Okay, so I'm a little old. That's okay. I could be a little bit old, but this isn't. This is the true pleasure of it. You're missing out on life, Mark. You're missing out on the simple joys. And I'm not saying that you know spinning a rotary phone is a is a pleasure of life, but circling and xing and judging your own sheet rather than allowing the computer to do it for you. This is an area that that you need to have in your life. You still like to play Tetris on your flip phone, don't you? <laughs> did they at have the, at the bar the today. Floor? At the bar today, did, did, did they have? Did you see people with the brackets sitting there like they had the paper? I would bet if you, you probably weren't looking that much. I bet you people were sitting with it in front of them. I didn't notice it. I wouldn't have it out all day. I didn't have it out. I have it in my pocket and I reference it when I want to. That's what I mean. Somebody had. I guarantee you, people weren't sitting there. Let me grab my phone to see what it is. I guarantee you, got a little printout. Yeah, you gotta have a little printout. No, it's much easier than trying to figure out on the phone. You gotta maneuver to what part of the bracket you're at. That's the worst. I, yeah. I mean, come on, you can't see it all on your mobile phone. Big issues. But I, it's really for me. It's just about the X or the circle. I wait for these games to end 
just so I can grade it, and that is what gives me the most pleasure. And writing eight circles so far today has been immense. Oh, God, been here we go. Ugh. Pete, as a kid, did you really like tic-tac-toe or something? When I was a kid, I mean, you don't know how much of a dork I was as a kid. I used to, like, transcribe the box scores from the Mets games and keep the stats myself all year. So this is something that is kind of built within me. I'd have a pencil, and I would erase the at-bats, add it by three, so I I, used, I know like all the batting average numbers up to maybe like ten at bats or something maybe a little further than that but I could tell you what the batting average is if you spit out you know two for nine or whatever I got something almost as dorky as that yeah what you got uh, you know remember the pocket schedule well they still have the pocket yeah. schedule you fold it out yeah well I didn't have a second one I wanted one so I, I took a little index card I drew all the lines and I wrote in the entire Red Sox schedule the whole year with a pencil. On an index card, you know, one of the big index cards. I try to like fit it perfectly, and I like, uh, you know, I only got to like mid June, and I finally gave up because it got annoying because I kept on messing the times up and everything. But, okay, are you yeah. trying to put in times too? You well, had yeah, it yeah, I want to make it. You know, I want to be cool. Like, oh yeah, look, I put, I made this for myself. Yeah, never got to it. Now you need a highlighter, and you need to write in what are the value ticket days right. and what are the premium <laughs> ticket days. And now, now it's really complex. If you want to try to match the pocket schedule, you got the some work in front of you. The, you know the thing. Yeah, you got to write that on the back. Well, that's that's a fun little project though, as a kid. But yeah, I I used to take it to the next level though. If I forgot a box score, I'd make my mom take me to the library. And so now I am old. And we go get an old paper, and then I'd photocopy it and cut out the box score. And On I had the microfilm, you had to go get it, too? <laughs> yeah, basically. No, they had the old papers that would sit around for uh, like a month or something. And then they'd go that microfilm, which nobody understands anymore. Yeah, yeah. They, the microfilm was there, though. I know what you're talking about oh, with the microfilm. Oh, having to go get that. Yeah, I didn't have much experience with the microfilm. I, I just missed that. Mark Wiener, our, our millennial, representative millennial. I'm technically a millennial, but I'm I'm more on the, the older fringe. I don't have a clue what a microfilm is. Oh, my gosh. You're a better person for it, I'll tell you that, <laughs> honestly. that That's not one of the pluses. Library cards, all that. Just going to a library, all things that you didn't miss out on much. I've gone to libraries. Yeah. At, at Hofstra in school, I went once in four years. That's a good library, too. That's like 10 stories. Nice building. Yeah, but I didn't do homework, don't so you, why would I go there? Don't you go to go there for like other reasons? Like, you know, it's a library. There's events there at the top. No, never, no. What Maybe was the reason once. you went in? What was the one thing that got you in there? I think I tried to write a paper, then I realized, eh. Sarah, it's too quiet. I don't like it. I need noise. I need busyness to focus. All right, now I you're going to call me weird for that, too? Yeah, I can't win with this guy. Mark, Mark's got to get out of here. Right, you're blended in very nicely. I, I'm I'm having a blast with you. You just started with us a couple of weeks ago. Wait till football season. That's when things will change. I know that. Oh, that's true. But I'm I'm souring on Mark here. So ever since Joe leaves, now you start to like me less. Yeah, because you look good by comparison. Now you've lost that. <laughs> that's a very good <laughs> wow. point. All right, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. We'll dive into sports when we come back. Sports on with people McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I already have a favorite moment in this NCAA tournament, and it doesn't have anything to do with what has happened on the court. Uh, obviously, Loyola Chicago, the big buzzer beater against Miami today. But I, I enjoyed this back and forth. This is Xavier head coach Chris Mack, who apparently went to a local steakhouse, Ruby's, and and met K 
Kid Rock. Is it last night? And was asked about it today. You know, uh, when we were signed Nashville, I got a text from, from uh, Mr. Ruby. And he said we would love to host you. And I know, obviously, we leave a couple days before the game. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is eat, eat a Ruby steak the night before. So uh, we did that a couple nights before. And you know, ironically, he texted me uh, and said uh, my favorite entertainer was going to be there. And so I was like a little kid in a candy store waiting for him to come in. And uh, I was pretty composed. I was pretty composed. I didn't stutter my words. You can check with my daughters. But, yeah, it's pretty cool meeting Kid Rock. Really cool. He doesn't follow college basketball. He talks about Detroit being a really you know, pro town. And, um, you know, I, I just quickly diverted the uh, conversation to, you know, having seen him in concert seven or eight times. And um, it's pretty cool. It's good. So, so what is happening, of course, is now Chris Mack is getting hammered for saying that Chris uh, Kid Rock is his favorite entertainer. I just hammered. And this is the thing that drives me nuts about music is and you could find something enjoyable but if nobody else does that's it you're an outcast you're out you got bad taste you don't know you know kid rock if he's not uh not cool at the moment that's it you're out come on chris mack is proud of his kid rock but it was, it was fun you couldn't hear the questions uh the media was was tossed his way but the transcript is like Kid Rock, really? I, I'm thinking a little less of you right now. <laughs> and he handled it well. You know, Mac was able to, you know, roll it off, and, and he doubled down. Kid Rock is my guy. Kid Rock was pretty popular for a while there. It's big time. In the right age. Come on, Ray. There's nothing wrong with no, but liking I, I Kid Rock. I never got into him. I, didn't, I wasn't really a big Kid Rock fan. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't have any albums either, but... You like what you like, man. If you, you like him enough, you went to seven or eight of his shows. You got to meet the guy before an NCAA tournament game. That's a, it's a fun thing. Be proud of it. You know, Pearl Jam wasn't cool or something, but I got to meet Eddie Vedder. I'd be, I'd be talking about Eddie Vedder. Oh, Pearl, yeah. Jam, Pearl Jam's cool. I well, mean, uh, yeah, but, you know, 10 years from now, who knows? He could be uh, Kid Rock 2.0. I don't think he'll ever be uh, Kid Rock level. I think Pearl Jam is much above that. Probably not. I think about Nickelback. I used to like some Nickelback songs. That's it. I just dropped so far in some people's eyes as they're listening to the show. They'll never tune into the show again because I mentioned Nickelback. They're just like popular to hate or fun to hate. And Kid Rock seems to be at that kind of level here. That's what's happening to Chris Mack. Right, maybe Nickelback wasn't that great as I start to hear it. Yeah, really. But it's <laughs> yeah. been a little while. <laughs> They haven't aged well. Let's just say that. That's uh, not the. I, I haven't seeked out any Nickelback over the years, but I always felt upset about it at the time. That ah, you know, they're they're popular to hate, so then everyone just hates on them, and they don't even know why. All their songs sound the same. It's true for like half the bands out there. What, what songs? What band is like a really diverse arsenal? I like the Chili Peppers, but all their songs sound the same. Come on. U2 for a while was, but then their stuff all kind of started sounds the same after a while. And I like U2 a lot. Man, it happens to everybody. Well, you have a good song, everyone likes it. Keep making songs like it, right? I mean, Aerosmith kind of did that for like a decade after all of a sudden, well, we made one power ballad, then they made like 80 of them in a row because, oh, they're making money off of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Find out what works. People like it, stick with it. I'm just uh, 
Uh, just seeing this, let me just confirm it. But um, yeah, and the, the New York Times is reporting that former Met Ed Charles has passed away. Uh, so Ed Charles, member of the '69 Mets, uh, you know, 84 years old, but uh, he has uh, he has passed. I was looking, you know, his baseball reference page. I didn't play a ton on that 69 Mets team. You know, hit 207 that year, but very productive player uh, over the course of his career and, you know, was uh, far better for the Mets of the year prior in uh, in 1968 before that, that miracle run with the Mets. But uh, 84 years old, so unfortunately... Uh, another member of that '69 Mets team uh, passing uh, here with uh, with Ed Charles. Um, and with that, uh, that'll do it for our show tonight. Thanks to Stephen Matz as well as Nelson Figueroa for joining us uh, on the show. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 6:05. Thanks for the calls as well for Ray Martel, Mark Weiner, I'm Pete McCarthy, and thanks to Mo Casera, of course, uh, as well for joining us. Your chance to win a thousand dollars coming up at 9:05.